We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Mets fans? Jack Manuel here for another Brooklyn Buzz. And dear Lord, is it a relieving one because the Nets beat the Detroit Pistons. I correct. I'm correct in saying. Just double checking. The Nets didn't go down. They beat the Detroit Pistons 118 to 112. They set history. The Detroit Pistons 27 straight losses, most in NBA history. But it wasn't an easy one. It wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. There was uh, some unnerving, nerving moments, whatever you want to call them, throughout the game. And to end it, I'll go through, I guess, the the start of the game. Because the Nets started the game pretty pitifully. They gave up, like, I think it was a 14-point lead. Yeah, a 14-point lead to the Detroit Pistons. They scored, like... Eight points, I think it was, in the first six minutes of a game. To the Detroit Pistons. One of the, now we know, the the worst team in NBA history, at least this season so far, over a, a specific stretch of games. But, it was a guy who didn't play in the fourth quarter that brought the Nets back. You know, Cam Thomas had a, I think it was like a nine-point quarter, and then he was, finished the half with 11 and he was sort of finding his footing. He was driving. He was getting beaten up like he continues to get. Like, I think there was uh, Armin Thompson, like, elbowed that dude in the head. And Cam's just like, come on, man. Like, just just give me something. I think I said that on the last pod with Nick. But it was it, it was some very, very nervous times. It was the SpongeBob biting your fingernails gif where he just keeps eating them and he keeps biting them because... I honestly thought that the Nets were going to go down, but there was a, a good sort of bounce back in that second period. The Nets outscored the Pistons 36-23. They're going at the half with a, a nice little buffer. There's some, some good team play all round, and I think that's where the Nets gave themselves that little bit of momentum, that little bit of wiggle room that allowed them to have the ascendancy and at the end of the day, just, just get the W. Now, in the final period in that last quarter there was some more unnerving moments because Kay Cunningham was just on one like that dude is a hell of a player and 
I kind of want him on the Brooklyn Nets if we're if we're being serious. Like move some of those Suns picks, maybe for for a guy like him. You know, I don't care what the numbers say. This dude is just a pure hooper. Reunite the Montverde trio of him and Dayron Sharp, who again was bloody sensational tonight. But I'll get to him a, a little bit later. But yeah, that fourth period was essentially Dayron Sharp time, like blocks. Boards after boards after boards and ones. It might have been Dayron Sharp's best ever quarter period as a Brooklyn Net. He was brilliant. Capital B, capital R, I, double L, I, A, N, T. Brilliant. The Nets needed something to sort of jolt them and get a bit of offensive energy, creativity, get something going. And it was day day that just went get on my my large shoulders, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring us to the promised land. And he was subbed out, I think, two thirty or around three minutes towards the end. And Clax came in and sort of closed the game for us. But man, it was Dayron. It was Dayron, Dayron, Dayron. The Nets do not win this game without Dayron Sharp. Twenty two minutes for him tonight. Three or four from the field. Five or seven from the free throw line. A double double. Eleven points. Eleven rebounds. Three of them offensive. Four blocks. Two steals. Three assists. Plus fifteen and plus minors. Like th- this man is balling right now. The discussion around him and Nick Claxton. Look, everyone knows that I'm I'm a, I'm a Clax City believer, but. I also did coin the term King Sharp quite a while ago. Very niche reference uh, for the Suicide Squad lovers out there. But in saying that, Dayron Sharp's game tonight is is what sort of makes you more comfortable with you know Nick Claxton not being impactful but at, at different periods in time. But he was impactful, especially in one two-way sequence that I'll get to uh, in a little bit. But focusing on and giving Dayron Sharp his all of the adulation that he deserves. The Nets don't win this game without Dayron Sharp. It, it, it's just plain and simple as that. His rebounding, his defensive force, he was earning fouls with his his screening was just like Stephen Adams esque. He was an absolute bruiser out there. His physicality is something that the Nets just don't have. Like the Nets are just a bit timid and shy and meek. But you throw Dayron Sharp out there. And it changes the identity and complexity of the team. And I've been starting to give him more of his flowers, but the bouquet is growing for, for King Sharp. Like, put the crown on that man's head tonight. The Nets the, the Nets don't win with, without his incredibly impactful 22 minutes. He was bloody brilliant. Absolutely bloody, bril- bloody brilliant. Uh, a, 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 an incredible game. Incredible game from uh, Dayron Sharp and... You know, that fourth quarter was was rough. And it was rough because Mikael Bridges was rough. I, I think that, like, he had, like, a, a play or two here or there that was like, okay, yeah. Or there was the driving sort of under the rim, the sort of Portnoy step that I know Lucas Kaplan loves to speak about. And he's done a good piece in that's daily about. But other than that, there was no flow to his game or performance overall. I think that, like, it's it's noticeable his impact or lack of impact or negative impact he's now having. You know, you look at the box score, 6 to 14 from the field, yeah, 21 points, yeah, 3 assists, yeah, 4 boards, yeah, 3 turnovers, yeah. Oh, 1 from 3? Why is this dude taking one three-pointer? Like, and the Nets, like, took, like, 
22 in total. Like, that's like a recipe for that hasn't been a recipe for their offensive success. And I think if this was a team that was anything better, or Kay Cunningham had like two or three decent teammates, and the Nets lose this game. They got out of jail because of this. And Mikel Bridges' shot selection, defense, is there just seems to be a lack of cohesion and flow to his game right now. And I look, the Iron Man, Warrior sort of stuff, yeah, I'm, it, it, the best abilities, availability, but I might be buying that less with the Mikael Bridges, who's played, what, 400-plus games straight, is it now? Like, the number, you know, escapes me, but maybe rest him against the Bucks. Like, by the time you guys are listening to this, maybe we get the news that Mikael Bridges is getting the rest, and I, I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be unhappy with that. I think that there's times where, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Ron James, all of these, like, high-end players that have, like, a high load and carrying their teams on one end of the floor both ends of the floor like they need a bit of a rest and there's nothing wrong with telling Mikael Bridges and forcing him to, to take the game off that might reset him mentally give him that mental reprieve as well because it seems to me that he's overthinking now again this is me prognosticating I obviously don't know but the 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 fact that he's taking one three-pointer and he's free throw shooting like, we need to have a discussion about that, guys. Like, 9 of 15. He's taking these texts. He's getting to the free throw. Like, the 15's good. He, he got, like, some easy money, and he's getting these texts that are just... And, and he's taking them, and he's missing them. Like, if Mikhail hits... He's normally, like, an 85-90% free throw shooter. And I'm like, okay, that's the game. That's the part of his game that I normally love the most. The, the driving game and getting to the free throw line and that sort of improvement that he's made. But when he's not making them, like, come on, man. Like, it's the easiest. And now, maybe that's a, another symptom of him being in his head and him thinking, i got to get this bucket. This is a, a bucket that I need to get for the team. And him sort of put, and putting an increased burden on his shoulders and sort of just rather than just going, letting the mechanics, letting the, the, the muscle memory sort of take over. So, yeah, that... For me, that's the one thing that worries me quite a bit. I think his defense is certainly not to the level that it should be either. But he's only hitting free throws, and it's been a, a, a consistent trend for him as well. So, look, uh, hopefully this is just a blip. And again, you look at the box score, and you go, okay, it's not too bad. But I think the eye test, and if you're watching this game overall, he wasn't positive. He wasn't a positive performer by any stretch of the imagination. And he his shot selection in the fourth quarter... Uh, his lack of flow, cohesion, aggression, purpose, just general confidence that didn't seem to be there. But the Nets got the win and Mikhail contributed in, in little spurts here and there. So uh, I, I guess you take it. So, But in, in saying that, you know, the, when it came, uh, I guess after the break, guys, let, let's get, dive deeper more into to the rest of the guys, the rest of the game, and maybe a discussion about my fellow Jacques. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, look, let's get to the Cam Thomas-Jacques Vaughan sort of discussion. Cam Thomas did not play any minutes at all in the fourth period. A lot of people were posting screenshots, video of him not standing up when the team was in the huddle or sitting down or not celebrating. You can... The only answer that... The only person that can give you the insight into that is Cam Thomas. Now, I... When the Nets were severely struggling to create any level of offensive synergy, you've got a guy that's a bucket getter. You've got a guy that puts the pressure on defenses in his driving, in his three-level play. And you've got him sitting there on the pine. It just seems to me that Jacques Vaughn... I've said this before where it's just like... It feels like for Cam Thomas's own sake, like if you're not going to play him when you are... Like you have the answer to a question. And the question is, oh, can I get some reliable offense from individuals or the team? Oh, there's Cam Thomas over there, a really young, budding scorer who has an offensive bag that's pretty goddamn deep. But Jacques Vaughn just decides just not to play him. Now, I, I don't know... Like, probably by the time you guys read this, hopefully some some of the Nets beat will ask why he didn't play. Now, people will say, oh, he had four fouls. Yeah, but he, he played, missed the whole fourth quarter. Like, and Spencer Dimwitty, he was 2 of 11 from the freaking field. Um, like, I just don't get it. Like, Spencer's taking, like, these goddamn head-scratching, befuddling, dumbfoundingly stupid. His shot selection made Mikael Bridges' shot selection look like prime Kevin Durant. Like, I, I just... I just don't understand it. Like, it seems to me Jacques Vaughn has his guys, has the the nepotism for your Mikhail's, your Spencers, and it's just like, those guys deserve to work through their mistakes. Cam Thomas tonight, 7 of 13 from the field in 23 minutes, had an assist, had a rebound, only the two turnovers and 17 points, was 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Spencer Dinwiddie in 34 minutes, 2 of 11 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3, 5 of 8 from the free throw line, he seems to miss all the big ones, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, a steal, uh, with for his 9 points. Cam Thomas was better than Spencer Dinwiddie tonight. He, he played better. So why are we out there, pl- like... If like it feels like Spencer Dinwiddie is getting like gifted minutes, and I I agree that at his best and at his most productive, he's been a really consistent performer. But he wasn't that tonight. Yeah, he was plus one on the night, and Jacques Vaughn will probably say that that you know when the Nets were going on their little mini run in the fourth, and they you know it was like a, a twelve and zero run, fourteen and zero run. Spencer was out there, but it felt like to me that was almost like going against the grain it was it was almost like 
the Nets were winning in spite of Jacques Vaughan's lineups, and I think a lot of it, as I alluded to, was Daron Sharp, some Cam Johnson threes, some DFS big plays uh, when it mattered as well. So, yeah, Spencer, uh, look, the we heard also before the game, Jacques Vaughan discussed the fact that, you know, he's like, oh, he doesn't like the defensive energy, doesn't like the execution by the starters, and decides to just not, like, it doesn't matter, I'm not going to make a change anyway. Like, I've given my thoughts on that on the previous episode, if you want to hear them be um i just i don't i don't get it like i i don't i, I don't get it i i still don't get it and just watch just watch come tomorrow we get the next starting five and cam thomas is coming off the bench now i think that shouldn't happen i think he works well alongside dennis smith jr and and like you know dorian finney smith and royce o'neill i think he works better with them but i think your best, most talented offensive player deserves to start. And I think Spencer, when you go to the bench and you stagger those minutes in a way, but can Jacques Vaughn even manage staggering minutes in an adequate and effective way? I don't know, man. Like, I really don't. I think he's he's an average at best coach and a pitiful coach through recent stretches of... of and and, it, and he it, it, the, the worst thing is, is like, he's saying he knows these things, but he doesn't do anything to change it. Like he's the he is stupidity personified. Derelict in his duty as a coach in affecting the game with the lineup management, substitution patterns, all that sort of stuff that a coach can actually do, but he doesn't do because he'd rather say it than do it. Like talk is cheap, Jacques. Talk is cheap, my guy. Um, I'll get to the rest of the guys. And Dorian Finney-Smith was clutch. He had some big threes. His defense was positive, led the team in plus minus with plus 16, 11 points, 3 of 7 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 2 big free throws, 4 boards, a steal and assist, DFS that 3 ball was money, off a really nice Cam Johnson drive who I think was the Nets second best player tonight, full apologies and, and plaudits and, and kudos to Cam Johnson finding his footing again, he's been really consistent, 9 of 13 from the field for him, 4 of 6 from 3, 2 of 4 from the free throw line. You know, some big three balls. You know, he was... It felt like Jacques Vaughn should just find a few plays for him per quarter. You know, the ATOs, all those different sort of things. Because he, when he has a, a slither of space, and it's from three especially, that's what I'm liking from him. The the volume from three is is a bit higher, and he's making the right decisions. That Like, that driving kick out to DFS was a, a really nice play from him. So... Uh, full full credit to, to Cam Johnson finding his footing a little bit again. Nick Claxton, 5-5 from the field, 1-3 from the free throw line. Had a double-double, 11-11, two assists. Two of those boards were offensive. And maybe his best sequence of the year where he had an emphatic block, runs the floor, hands the ball off to Spence, and then dunks it like it's no one's business. That's Nick Claxton saying, give me my money. But he did it for 26 minutes. And Darren Sharp probably had more of an impact. If you're looking at the plus minors, you're looking at just the general feel of the game. Yeah, like, uh, I, I don't know. The future around Nick Claxton is going to be a constant talking point. It's not worth t- talking about now, but that point in the game was, you know, a highlight upon highlights. So, great game, great great moments from Nick Claxton is what I will say. And Royce O'Neill provided some great moments too. You know, his passing, his three balls, he, he just finds a way to, to make that to make the timely plays when it matters. You know, he's the ultimate role player glue guy in his 15 minutes, 3 of 6 in the field, 2 of 3 from 3, couple of, his, couple of assists, couple of rebounds. And DSJ as well, I thought, was uh, provided that met dog, sort of aggressive defensive mentality. Tried to slow down Cade Cunningham at times, but, you know, Cade just was too good for him. 
but you know had his moments had his flashes so yeah i think there's a few plenty of takeaways from this game i, I think the big takeaways thank god the nets won it jacques fawn's still a, a pretty bloody awful coach cam thomas i i scratching my head trying to look for the quotes as i record this guys about anything around him i'll continue to have a, a little bit of a scroll and, and see if i can find anything in terms of why he didn't uh, play down that stretch but that was probably uh, another big talking point mikhail and spencer the two leaders of the team not really doing much when it counted but had you know fleeting moments of, of impact in this game but uh yeah so uh, Daron Sharp deserves his flowers as well. Give that man a, a massive bouquet. But yeah, we'll be back tomorrow, guys, for the Bucks game. We'll see how it all pans out. But a win is a win. The Nets make history for and the, against the Pistons for all the wrong reasons for them. But thank God we got the W. Happy holidays, everyone. Subscribe to the Buzz on all streaming platforms and give us a rating and review if you have the capacity. Nets world, baby.